Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hey everybody, this is Sophie and welcome to episode 78 of the Big Boo Cast. This is sort of a special edition. It's a little extra long because at the beginning, Melanie and I talked to a couple of really special guests and then at the end, we get back to our usual brand of nonsense. So we hope y'all enjoy it. And just as a reminder, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Big Boo Cast or you can find us on Instagram, BooMama205 or Melanie Shankle. We are really glad you're here. Hey, everybody. This is Sophie. This is Boo Mama. Hey, it's Melanie. It's Big Mama. So today we have a little bit of a treat. Yes, we're super excited about it. Because when we first started our blogs 110 years ago. Yes, approximately. Approximately, give or take. Give, um, or, <laughs> give or take 600,000 words ago. Um, we, You left me a comment that referenced Chris Tomlin and Jackie Sherrill. Yes. Now, I think probably I anybody listening to this, or most people who are listening to this, know the Chris Tomlin piece. And a lot of people know the Jackie Sherrill piece. But he was the head football coach at Texas A&M. And then was the head football coach at Mississippi State. Yes, he was. And, and did great and did great things at both schools. Did great things at both schools. And has always been a, one of those people who just fascinated the fire out of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. So. So you can imagine our surprise. <laughs> you can imagine our delight. It when, really we really had felt like, I mean, it's a logical thing when you start a mommy blog, like I'm going to start this blog and I'm going to talk about potty training my daughter. Mm-hmm. And then I bet in 11 years, I'm going to get the opportunity to have Jackie Sherrill on a podcast that I don't even know what that is because it's only 2006. That's right. I don't know what that podcast is, but we're going to yes. start one and we're going to record it real erratically. Yes. Did you see, by the way, somebody left us a comment. I think it was on the blog Facebook page. Maybe it was on, no, I think maybe it was on my post that said, I don't know why I love this podcast. Y'all do everything wrong. That was on your yeah. book. Yeah. It was. Yeah. You do everything wrong. Your sound quality is terrible. <laughs> Whatever. I got so tickled because I was listening to Knox and Jamie on the way home from Dallas last week. And they were talking about, I guess they'd had sound issues on like one of their podcasts. And I'm like, welcome to our entire podcast yes. history. We just live with sound mm-hmm. issues. Yes. And internet issues and everything else. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we are super excited um, that we have Jackie Sherrill and his daughter, Bonnie Bishop, on our podcast today. We are. And so we're going to talk to them for a little bit, and then we're going to come back and talk about just whatever we decide that we're going to talk about, about real life stuff. I am unbelievably excited at the possibility of talking to the one and only Coach Sherrill, who is referenced by many Mississippi State fans as the king. 
And rightfully so. <laughs> and rightfully so. All, <laughs> all righty. So here comes this part or here comes that part. And then yep. um, we'll be back in, in a little while to talk about other stuff. Right? That's right. Okay. Here we go. Coach Cheryl, listen, when we, when I was at State, was the when we played LSU for the regular season championship in basketball, you had just taken the head coaching job, I think. That and was I, 90, yeah, 91. I remember coming and going to, and getting all the donuts I could get and all yes. the coffee I could get. And you gave me a donut because I had camped out for that game. <laughs> You Wait, guys, y'all were waiting, like waiting in line for tickets or yeah, what? Yeah, yes. the students all, like, we had never been successful. And so at that successful, we had been successful. But the students had all camped out the night before. I was one of them. And and, and so I don't know, that morning night was early, I think. You came loaded with donuts. It was still almost light. It was still <laughs> a little dark. That's awesome. And you just went and bought a bunch of donuts and yeah, brought them to the well, students. As many as that. The donut shop sold out. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I remember it because uh, you're playing Shaq. Yes. Shaq. Oh, that's right. Said if we're going to win, then y'all will have to do your part. And that is from the start to the finish, you don't sit down and you don't, you, <clears throat> you're not quiet. You're yelling all the time. So you got and, them the breakfast and, of champions. <laughs> and, and sure enough, they beat Shaq. They did. He sugared us up, and we won. It was one of my favorite memories. So then awesome. in 2004, State played again for the regular season championship in Tuscaloosa. We took our son, who was not yet one at the time, and we're walking around the concourse, and we passed you. And I looked at my sister, and I said, I feel real good about us today. I feel like yeah. I feel like we're going to win, and we did. So I think you need to be at all the basketball games is where, what, I'm, what I'm getting at. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. If you could just do that. Okay, so so y'all have started doing this these speaking events together. And mm-hmm. people may I feel like I know a little bit of y'all's story just from from being a state person and for, from kind of watching you from afar from a long time and reading different things about your family. But Bonnie, do you want to tell us a little bit about that, how that got started and what y'all are doing? Because it's really, really neat how y'all are doing this yeah. together. Yeah. Well, um, my mom and uh, and Jackie started dating um, around 1989, and he had he had recently left Texas A&M, and because it was my mom and my sister and I, we didn't know anything about football. Uh, we didn't know, we'd never <laughs> seen a football game. We didn't know, you know. Who Hold Jackie on, was. just a minute. You had never yeah. seen a football game. <laughs> no, we had okay. never seen a football game. We weren't that. We weren't those kind of girls. At Melanie and I were busy being those kinds of girls. That's yeah. like, there's only that. We were not those kind of girls then. Mm-hmm. We are now, but um, mm-hmm. that took a, a divine intervention. <laughs> but, you know, those first two years that there were the, the two years that they were dating, he was in between coaching. So he, Jackie owned a car dealership out in Baytown, Cheryl Bailey Ford. <laughs> and so we just thought of him as like a car dealer. I mean, honestly. <laughs> And, um, yeah, that no, that used car dealer. Used, used car dealer, <laughs> even worse. And um, you know, I wasn't fond of Jackie at all. Uh, I didn't want um, you know a man coming into our life. You know, it, it was just us three girls for the last four years or so. And 
um, we were, you know, kind of having fun in our estrogen fest. Okay. And I remember um, the first time that Jackie came to the house and to pick my mom up for a date. And he's very smart. Uh, he knew, um, you know, he's going into it's typically or basically a, a recruiting situation, you know, <laughs> um, and he's coming into a house full of women. And um, I was about uh, 11 at the time. And I remember he brought me this Barbie because he, I guess he asked mom, you know, what is Bonnie like? And so he brought me a Barbie to kind of try to win me over on that first occasion. And, and uh, I remember the doorbell rang and I went and answered the door. And he's a very intimidating person because he's got a very big presence and he has these gigantic hands, you know, like two of my hands barely makes up one of Jackie's hands. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember opening the door and um, he was like, hello, Bonnie. And he <laughs> me this he hands me this Barbie, and um, you know, like I said, I was doing my best to run him off. So of course, I look at the Barbie and I said, "Thanks, I already have this one." Very, yeah, very sarcastic. Oh, y'all, yeah. this was not so a good that's start. How our relationship started, and um, you know, they dated for about two years, close to two years, and um, you know, at one point in. December of 1990, uh, Jackie told mom he was going to Mississippi to enter or to talk to some people. Uh, he didn't really give us many details. And then that night, me, mom, and Jackie were sitting on the couch watching TV and we're flipping channels and we come across ESPN and it says, breaking news, Jackie Sherrill accepts the job as head coach at Mississippi State. <laughs> oh, no. So that's how we found out that Jackie was moving to Mississippi. And, uh, he came home from that trip with a ring and proposed to mom and he said, I love y'all and I want to be a family and I want y'all to come with me. Mm. So, um, you know, we, uh, we did. And, uh, I wasn't really thrilled about that. Um, but you know, Jackie was trying going from Houston to yeah, going from Houston to oh, yeah. listen. Mississippi. That'd we didn't know what we were getting into, you know, geographically, we didn't know culturally, we didn't know. And we had no idea about the football thing, you know, and then we get over to Mississippi and um, Jackie's this huge star and mm -hmm. we had no idea. Like, I mean, people were, we were trying to go out to eat and people would come to our table and be like, Oh, we're so glad you came to save the Bulldogs. And what are you, what, what offense are you going to run? And they're like, I mean, it was like, we couldn't go anywhere without people stopping us. Everybody wanted to be my friend, which that part was really cool. Like I sure. liked, you know, being famous in a small town, you know, I was 13. So I was like, this is pretty cool. But, um, you know, it was a huge shock, uh, and and I can say this too. You know, we came from a suburb of Houston, Texas, where everybody looked like me, mm -hmm. and then we moved to rural Mississippi, and it was a totally different situation. And um, you know, and it was uh, it was exciting, and it was different, and um, the no, kids were different. No, she's not telling school. the truth. <laughs> Yeah. There's second of it and hated me at that no, time. No, I did hate Jackie. I really didn't <laughs> like Jackie. I was mad. Yeah, we were mad. I mean, you know, 13-year-old girl, like, I didn't want a new dad. Uh, I was mad that I had to leave my friends, you know. Um, and I really, I don't know what I thought, what end result I was trying to get by making things as difficult on him as possible. But anything I found out that Jackie didn't like, I did. Yeah. Um, we had a come to Jesus moment at some point after um, a couple months uh, that first year where mom mom went out of town 
for a couple of days and she said, I can't do this. She said, you guys are going to have to work this out. Uh-oh. And she left us alone in the house and we just had this moment where, again, I was slamming doors as hard as I could and I heard Jackie scream my name across the house and I came pouting out there and I said, what? And uh, I hope you don't mind me telling you this because I think this is just the sweetest thing ever. But he basically, he was so defeated. You know, he was working so hard at this new job and having his comeback and all this, trying to have his comeback. And he's got this 13-year-old girl he's battling at the house every day. And he just like, could handle boys, but no, not, not girls. girls. <laughs> not yeah. a whole different deal. Whole mm-hmm. different deal. Yes. So we're having this face-off in the den and I'm just yelling and screaming at him. And he just sinks to the floor literally sinks to the floor he sat on the step i remember and put his head in his hands and started to cry Mm. and i was like oh no i broke him i remember being (laughs) like oh i broke this big guy because he didn't talk much you know he wasn't an emotional person so i didn't realize you know i was having any kind of effect but he started to cry and he looked up at me and he said darling I'm just trying to be your friend. Mm. And that moment changed everything because, you know, two and a half years of getting to know him and, you know, he is a man of very few words and he's this tough caveman type coach personality. And we just, I wasn't, I wasn't seeing him. I wasn't getting it. I wasn't accepting the situation. And, but when I saw the vulnerable side of him, I was like, man, maybe he is just trying to be, my friend and I need to ease up on this guy at that point you know um, somewhere in the next week or so Jackie uh, invited me to come work on the sidelines for him to let me into that world and you know I thought you know to kind of let me get to know him but he says he did it so that I would get my ass kicked because I was (laughs) (laughs) and that was really where our relationship started on the sidelines so. I love that. I do too. I mean, that's, and really, that's kind of a genius move. It, I mean, when you think about it, to just invite you, uh, the fact that, that Coach Cheryl, you just invited Bonnie into your world a little bit. You got to meet in different territory. That's pretty smart. Well, she had to realize that it wasn't easy. So, and I was recruiting her as well as <laughs> teaching her. Lesson, <laughs> sure, sure. But it worked. Because that, you know, after a game, I didn't have to say a word when I got home. Bonnie would say, tell everything that needed to be said. <laughs> oh, I bet that's true. You know, I have I have so many memories of listening to you on the radio after the games. And I always remember when we had a good one, that your answers were always a little bit longer. And when we had a bad one... <laughs> Maybe a little bit, a little bit shorter yeah. with those answers. That's the bit. way our family went in the weeks after the losing games. We basically Jackie didn't say a word for like seven days. Mom, I think mom dreaded the losses more because she was worried about Jackie's moods. I always they said that was uh, crazy. I remember the, the president of Mississippi State said, "I don't think you should do the radio shows after a game." And I said, you know, I may not be the smartest person, but, you know, I, I don't want it to dwell over two or three days and then go Monday morning quarterback and have that coffee. You know, they should get answers and get it out before they go to that Monday morning and have their coffee at, at the local coffee shop. Sure. And, yeah, and so that makes sense. That's why I did it. It was to 
you know, give people answer one way or the other right after the game. I can only imagine what kind of pressure that was at that time to come into a place where there were so many expectations and you and you exceeded those expectations in so many ways. But I think even then there weren't at the beginning at least there weren't message boards. You know, there weren't all of the talk yeah, radio. There was no social media. Yeah, there yeah. was no social media. You know, from all different areas, it is relentless. You have a whole network dedicated to it, which is wonderful, but I would think as a coach it's it's a lot of pressure just to well yeah the good thing is uh, you know if you're in this profession then you kind of know what to say and not to say and everybody asked today is said, well could the old coaches coach today and it all depends could coach Bryant yes could I <laughs> yes you know if the players walked into the locker room the first thing they would do they would have to put their phones up mm-hmm Mm, realize yeah. I mean it's kind of like being around the table at night at dinner or family time you know those phones should be up mm-hmm. and you know uh, there's a lot more distractions now yeah and but you have to un- you do understand you know where the players the the pressure but you know you go back to in recruiting uh, you want to find out everything you can about a kid and the most important is to me was always the relationship that a kid had with his mother or his grandmother whoever raised him because if he didn't respect his mom or his grandmother he certainly wasn't going to respect anything that I did or ask him Mm. so you know I turned down a lot of kids that were not were disrespectful to their mother well, and that makes sense, too, that you knew how important it was, even in your own home, for you and, and Bonnie and her sister to have a relationship with her that was respectful because you knew how important that was going to be down the road as they grew up and as they moved on and all that kind of stuff. Like, that, those relationships at home are so central to, to what's going to happen in your life later. And that's part of what, you know, I learned to respect is watching him in that role on the sidelines, you know, really had the weight on his shoulders to prove himself, to prove that he could turn a team that had never won into a winning team, to come back from his own um, mistakes and, and, uh, and, and make the most of this opportunity at Mississippi State, um, not to mention, you know, a huge difference in, um, you know, what he was paid from Texas A&M to Mississippi State. I mean, all of these things. And meanwhile, he's dragging a new family into the situation with them, three women who've never seen a football game. I mean, <laughs> the pressure that must have been on his shoulders at that time, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I can't totally relate, but I know that standing on the field and watching him and starting to understand, you know, like hearing all those people screaming or booing and mm-hmm. seeing all these young kids that were looking at him to lead them and all the coaches looking at him to lead and the cameras in our face and, and the administration and all this, I just, I learned respect for him from getting, you know, literally a 50 yard line view of what his job was like and how he handled himself and how he carried himself as a leader and and showed respect to the people around him and carried himself with so much class Mm -hmm. and, you know, and always dressed the part. 
You know what I mean? He oh, wasn't yes, wearing a cap backwards. Mm -hmm. He was out there in a suit and a tie and a yep. vest. And the vest. I so remember so the vest. Because it was so hot, you know, and he's in like a long sleeve shirt and a sweater vest. But he's just a class act. And, um, and, and, and whether he won or he lost, just had so much self-worth and confidence uh, and exuded that and, and set that example for the players. And, you know, coming out after the game, whether he won or lost, and he would shake everybody's hands and sign all the kids' pictures and balls. And, you know, that's where my respect for Jackie developed I, because I got to see him in his environment and I, I felt the emotions of that job and that pressure. And, you know, I really looked up to him and, you know, and it just set the course for my life in a lot of ways, you know. So when y'all go into different places and you go in to speak and you go into kind of, in a way, I mean, y'all are kind of coaching relationships for people. Um, right. Might be in a difficult spot. What does that look like for, for y'all? Do y'all take turns sort of speaking? Do y'all do a Q&A? How does that all work well, out? Yeah, both Q&A, but I speak when I get a chance. <laughs> Problem. You know, I work in the music. Well, I work in the music business. I've been an, a, a performer and an entertainer. I've been on stage my whole life, and you know, made a career on stage for 15 years, where it's all on me to basically carry the audience, you know, and entertain everybody. So, and plus, I just talk a lot. I mean, let's just be honest. I just talk. I try to make room for Jackie to get his get a word in. Well, I speak when I when there's something to say, but the. You know, you go back uh, to the players, you know, I learned a long time ago, you know, I won a lot of football games. You know, I was very fortunate. I had a lot of great players. But when I went to Texas A&M, we didn't win, you know, 10, 11 games like I'd been winning. We mm -hmm. had players, we had facilities, and we had things. And then uh, and into the two and a half seasons i realized that you know it's more than x's and o's that okay. you have to give your players more than x's and o's mm -hmm. and that's when i you know i developed a a book called you know building of champions and you know every year and every week that i would talk about life or talk about something that had to was important to them about this game because you can coach all you want to as a parent you can say all you want to about you know discipline or you know how to act but it's got to be self so you really try to teach and coach your players how to coach themselves mm. Mm, that's good you raise, you raise your kids how to take care of themselves and then when bonnie was on the sideline you know she came into a world that she had to learn very quickly that no one was, was going to give her any sympathy you know she had to earn a way she had to earn the right to be down there yeah, i didn't she, tell her that before she no, came. he didn't tell me that. he didn't tell me anything he literally was like doctor do you want to come down on the sidelines and i was okay so I get down there and he literally hands me 50 yards of cord 
and says, stay right by me and don't take your eye off the field. So my job was actually Jackie's cord carrier. So if you look back, you know, in the olden days when the coaches had, you know, wired headsets on the field, they were all tethered to this massive cords from the 50-yard line. And each coach had a cord carrier that basically shadowed them through the game and made sure they didn't trip over themselves uh, with this 50 yards of cord. Um, And Jackie was a very active coach. He would (laughs) just take off running down the sidelines, you know, <laughs> all the way to the goal to see if people were off sides or whatever. And the no, reason... I was, Bonnie, I was really talking to the official. Oh, yeah. Well, he was <laughs> running down there to yell at the officials. But, you know, he said, stay right by me. And, you know, if I'm being totally honest, one of the main reasons I said, sure, I'll come work on the sidelines it's because I, I wanted to be around the players, right? Like, I'm a 13-year-old girl. Yeah. Yes, I am. Down there with the players. And so, you know, I'm supposed to be paying attention to Jackie. This is my job. But he would take off running down the field. And if I was turned around, you know, checking out boys, he'd get to the end of the cord and, like, his head would snap back. And then he'd go flying across the field. And he would, you know, turn around and give me that look. You know, his eyes all big when he gets all crazy, wild eyed, you know, it's very scary. But um, and I would and he was tripping all over me those first couple games because I I did not know what I was doing. No, I uh, had be- no idea. And, um, you know, at one point I got in trouble somewhere at the end of that first season because, again, I wasn't paying attention. And so I heard somebody yell ball, which means the ball is coming towards the sidelines, which means the line of scrimmage is coming towards the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And I'm turned around checking out, you know, one of the players or whatever. And, and I turn around as Jackie jumps out of uh, the way, like right in time. And I see this giant number 66 coming right at me. Oh gosh. And there's no time to move. It is just like 66 lights out. Yeah, a 66 mm. coming at you means this yeah. is not a small person. <laughs> His name was Jason Wiesner. Wait, 320. 320. <laughs> oh, five. gosh. Um, shaved head, scary looking like, we used to call him mass murderer because he just looked like he had gotten out of prison. He was terrifying. And he basically mowed me down on the sidelines. And, um, you know, so I'm I'm out I'm laying on the ground. I'm splat. You know, all the players are laughing at me. Oh, um, I was humiliated. I was oh, very for sure. You know, cord everywhere. And um, when I opened my eyes, I remember there were several trainers. You know, they all came running forward to make sure I was okay. And and Jackie's standing there. And Stratton Caritasis, who was the head trainer at Mississippi State for, I don't know, 40 years, and one of the he, all-time greats, by the way. Yes. And he was kind of like my surrogate dad on the sidelines because, as I found out, Jackie was not going to act like a dad on the sidelines. He was not my friend down there. He was just like to the players. He wasn't the player's friend. He was their coach. And I found out in that moment that that wasn't the moment to get him to reach down and, like, pick me up and be my daddy. Like, yeah, it's my coach. And I remember Strat reached forward to try and pick me up and Jackie like put his arm out and held him back. And he said, no. And he looked at me and he goes, she needs to get up on her own. Okay. All Mm. right. And I'm laying down there, you know, turf in my hair and all, and (laughs) so embarrassed. And it was a big wake up moment for me because I realized, you know, 
am I, I have to be tough enough to be down here on the sidelines. That's, that's what this job requires. And it was a big um, revelation for me that, you know, nobody was going to pick me up. Jackie wasn't going to even let anybody pick me up. And I either was mentally tough enough to get back up after getting my butt kicked or I wasn't. And if I wasn't, then I wasn't going to get to come back down there. And so, you know, again, another face-off moment for us. You know, it seemed to last a lifetime, but it was probably about five seconds of him giving me that look and letting me know what was expected. And so I pulled myself back up to my feet and picked up my cord and limped along behind him for the rest of the game. (laughs) But you know what strikes me about that, which is really, again, I mean, it's such a metaphor for parenting, I think. But but during every bit of that, y'all were still tethered. Like you were still yes. literally tethered to him. And I think yes. that so many times when it gets tough, especially with teenagers, it's hard to figure out how to sort of tether yourself to them because you do want them to get up on their own and you do want them to, to learn to make good decisions and all that kind of stuff. Y'all right. kind of had uh, like the neatest little training ground for your yeah. relationship with each other and for, for parenting in, in that specific context of your life. Like y'all just flat out stayed tethered. Yeah, well, one of the biggest mistakes we all make as parents and as coaches, you know, we baby our kids and, you know, one, we want to make sure they have things that we didn't have mm-hmm. when we realize all we're doing is spoiling them in the same thing with the kids that are come through as four or five star players. Uh, they are pampered. They are mm-hmm. given privileges others don't have. Now, did they earn it? You can say yes and no, but, you know, the reality sets in where, you know, they have to earn their right and they have to earn their their way to be a part of something. And, you know, I used to send our trainer to the Navy SEALs training. Mm -hmm. You know, I I said, I'm not interested in the physical things, you Mm you know, we are physical and you work the players, I want to know what the mental side and how they separate themselves mentally. Mm-hmm. Because you know, when you look at the group of the SEALs, they're not the biggest or the strongest or probably not even the smartest in the group that ends up making it all the way through training. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to the same thing. You know, it's, there's a book called Clausewitz on War, and it goes back to the 14th century uh, about military and about war. But chapter three is the most important, and then it talks about what makes a good leader or general. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not the smartest, the biggest. It's the one that has the strongest will. Mm-hmm. That's some so grit. Yes. And you look in life, you know, every day we get knocked down, you know, a player. I, I never would look at a highlight film. I would only look at the full game of a player because we can make anybody look good in a highlight film. You know, and yeah. so I wanted to see what happens when a kid gets knocked down because we all were going to get knocked down. Mm. You know, what he did after he got knocked down. And that's so important in life because, you know, every day there's a struggle 
in in your life and for the people that tell you that you know they're very happy and they had a great day every day are not telling the truth mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> no you know, because, yeah we all have struggles so you know how many people can continue to get back up yeah. you know i learned a long time ago you don't judge and there's only one judge mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. and but to evaluate players, you evaluate players on the adversity that they've been in. How can yeah. they handle, you know, how do they handle themselves? Well, you know, that's, I don't, I don't think either, I didn't really, maybe Jackie knew what he was teaching me when he invited me down there, but I know that I had no idea <laughs> I was basically getting that kind of training, you know. Um, like I said, I was boy crazy, and I was down there to flirt with boys. <laughs> but you know, he now she did. She made sure she <laughs> dialed up really well. I did. If you look back at any of the Mississippi State um, football games, I, I you never, see I, that chubby never little laughed. freckled girl that I'm sure all the guys were just crazy. <laughs> Yeah. That fourteen-year-old that they couldn't wait to ask out. <laughs> yeah. I, I never in my mom jeans, black ones. I never saw. I never saw. <laughs> let her see me laughing, but I laughed a lot. <laughs> and I feel like, body. I have a thirteen-year-old daughter right now, so I can so appreciate that a thirteen-year-old girl feels awkward and embarrassed enough just existing. Right. So, like being oh, leveled yeah. in front of her oh, yeah. coach and the and football it's like, team. And then it's like, I can't not come back after yeah. that, like, you know, to get my butt kicked in, in, in front, front of all in, the players. Yeah, in front of the fans, <clears throat> In front of the fans, yes. everybody <laughs> saw it on TV. You know, they the referees playing, were laughing. Yeah, they kept playing that one over and over. Uh, <laughs> uh, it appears that Jackie's, Cheryl's daughter is, Bonnie, has been uh, tackled on the sidelines. Uh, <laughs> we're going to come right back after a commercial. Yeah, um, it was, there was no, for me, because of my pride, again, there was no choice but for me to get back up and come back to the game the next Mm -hmm. week, you know. And um, what's, you know, interesting to me, and I didn't make this connection until 20 years later, was that that whole training perfectly prepared me to pursue a dream in the music business. That is exactly yeah. what I was about to ask you mm-hmm. is I bet that that has served you so well at this yeah. particular stage in your life. Absolutely. Um, because if there's any skill that you have to have to pursue a dream, and especially in something like entertainment, it's being able to get back up yeah. uh, because you're going to face rejection. You're going to face setback. You're going to face disappointment. I don't care how talented you are. Um, I found out after years and years and years of pursuing this that it, it it's way more than talent. It's it's what Dad was talking about. It's grit. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 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 being able to overcome adversity and um, and thank God I had that training because, you know, I I I don't know that I would have been able to keep going. Um, as long as I have, you know, as an underdog, you know, really, that's what I've, I've been. And um, I would call him and talk to him about the music stuff that was going on and like the setbacks and riding around in a van with a bunch of dudes, which I was also perfectly prepared for because I'd always been a tomboy from working on the sidelines. I went from playing with Barbies to being a total tomboy on the sidelines. But he would always say, 
uh, now, darling, remember the best players are sometimes sitting on the bench mm-hmm. because, you know, if you're not putting in the work and disciplining yourself to earn your position on the field, then you're going to be riding the bench. Mm-hmm. And so you know, there were so many things just from the way he coached his players that I learned from and I and I still just revisit I'm revis- I'm revisiting it now more than ever I'm 30 38 years old and you know I've made six records and been on the road 150 days a year since I was 22 years old and I'm still learning those lessons and having to go back and remember what Jackie said because it's really all the same you know pursuing a dream and you know fighting for a goal and all that stuff you know it's 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 more than X's and it's O's. It's more than X's and O's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's more than, you know, you look at the entertainment business, it's extremely hard. Mm-hmm. There's so many people that, you know, wish and want, but they don't make it. And you go back and Willie Nelson, how, how much he struggled. George Strait, how much he struggled. You know, Larry Gallagher. Bonnie Raitt, somebody that I look up to, she was on you know, in the van for 18, 20 years before she ever had any major success. And, and again, business. the ones that make it are the ones that have the, the strongest will to make it. Yeah, I think that's absolutely. I tell my daughter that all the time. She gets tired. She says that all we ever say to her is, you're fine. Because no matter what happens, we're like, you're fine. Get up. You're fine. We're all right. You're fine. So, but it's that thing that we want to raise her to know that she can get back up. Cause I think that's the most important thing. Cause I think mm-hmm. it's like you said, life is going to knock you down. So what's going to separate you from the rest is, do you keep going or do you go get in your bed? You know, exactly. I'm so tickled that one, we got to talk to y'all at all, but, but two, just to hear like what neat lessons y'all have from, from coaching and from being the, the daughter of a coach that are so relevant and so applicable to where so many people, especially parents, are living right now. It's um, it's no joke. You feel like sometimes you're just up against the wall with everything coming at you from the culture and from, I feel like kids operate on a way higher level of stress right now. And um, there's a lot more pressure than there used to be, certainly when I was growing up. And um, But y'all just have so much wisdom and such a great perspective to share. So that's awesome. Yep. Yeah, the most important thing for a parent and a child to understand, and I told our players that, you know, you can call me at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, and I will come and help you. Now, I may not be very happy, (laughs) but I'll be there. And the same thing as a parent to a child. You know, they, they know that their parent will be there. That doesn't mean that they're going to be happy and there's not going to be consequences. That's right. Yeah. But, you know, that having that relationship, you know, the, the, the greatest thing as a coach is having players years later in their life, you know, after they have made it, to be able to call you and tell you how much you meant to them mm-hmm. and how much you helped them prepare them for life. And I had one player that, that I disciplined pretty hard and, you know, he went off and had 17 years in pro ball, but he loses his daddy in driving from Kansas city to New, uh, to Louisiana. You know, he called me and talked to me for four hours 
Well, I was the only one that he wanted to talk to. Mm-hmm. You know, there's I, I meet players. I meet Jackie's players. Some that I remember from Mississippi State, and others that I I didn't know because they were at A and M before we came into his life. But because I, you know, travel full time, people people come to my shows and they'll come talk to me afterwards. And I meet his players all over the U.S who tell me this story over and over, like, I didn't like your dad very much when he was when I was playing for him. It wasn't until later in life that I realized, you know, what he had taught me. And and it all goes back to that, you know, teaching you to respect yourself and to to uh, pick yourself back up and to, you know, be your number one champion. And um, just so many people who, uh, so many guys that I meet that tell me, you know, what an amazing father figure and a leader you know he was for them and um and i and i love i love those stories and i i love that he's such an unassuming father figure because he's really a a kind of a guy a few words and he always was but he led by example you know and 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 action speaks so much louder than words you know what i mean and um he he uh has an incredible legacy um, that is so much more than the wins and, you know, the championships and all that stuff, you know, and that's why we focus on this phrase more than X's and O's mm-hmm. because um, I think what a lot of people never understood about Jackie is the reason he didn't give a crap what anybody thought is because he knew why he was doing what he was doing. He was there. Yeah. Yes, he was hired mm-hmm. to win games, but his calling was to inspire those boys to be men, to be the best men that they could be, and to turn out good human beings. And he always said it matters more what you do off the field than what you do on the field. And, um, you know, I learned so much from that. And, and, and that, you know, whatever it is that you're doing in life, whether it's a job or a, a, a parenting career, it's like having that deeper sense of purpose, the bigger focus, like, what are your, you know, what's more than X's and O's for you? Why are you doing what you're doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and and going back to that in the music, you know, remembering that it's about inspiring people. Like, what I write, what I sing, how I interact with that audience, I am there to lift, to inspire, to use my gifts for the greater good. And so much of that um, was instilled in me um, from watching the way he led those teams and the way he led those players through winning seasons or losing seasons. It was like, we celebrate the win, but then we get back to why we're really doing this. Like we keep doing the hard work. Mm-hmm. We keep, you know, keep our eye on the real prize, you know, which is, you know, um, living up to the calling that we were created for. And um, it's so much deeper than I think what anybody knows about him. And that's why i I'm passionate about what we're doing is, you know, as much as it's fun to just, you know, get to hang out with them. I just want people to see and know um, who he is and, and, and what he what he really did, the impact that he really had on those teams, and those guys. So if, if people want more information or anything like that about what y'all are doing, is there a place they can email or a place they can go online to kind of see see more about that or get in touch with y'all? Yeah, they can um, they can send an email. Um, you know, my regular music website is bonniebishop.com. Okay. Um, you can send an email to bonnie at bonniebishop.com, and we're still in the beginning phases of all of this. 
Um, but we're, you know, we're working with some different um, people. There's a, the Legendary Coaches Association out of Nashville. Um, Greg Hill Entertainment is, is booking um, some events for us. And, um, and we're just kind of networking through our friends right now and doing some different events. But um, we probably should get a Facebook page or something. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's so fun. It's, it's- Y'all need a Twitter. Y'all need a Twitter. Y'all got to get on Twitter. all I'm the gonna social let, media. I'm going I'm to let Bonnie do that. You know, we learn more from our kids than we sometimes teach them. And we learn a lot more from our players than I did than... I really taught them or gave them, but, you know, the first time in 1977, I started going to children's hospitals. I took my summer vacation and went to hospitals from uh, Pennsylvania to Texas to Louisiana, Kansas, uh, Washington, uh, and then... This is the balloon animal thing I was yeah. talking about. Oh, and, I, rem- I remember this. I remember. You should see this man make balloon animals. And, He's got- <laughs> skills and you know the first one I went into it took me about four times going in and out because you know you, you'd break down seeing kids mm-hmm. and then I realized they did not want my sympathy they just wanted my love and understanding mm-hmm. and then 77 I started taking our team to hospitals uh, whenever we went to the bowl games or we went to a, a city that had a big children's hospital. And I remember the first time I, I told our players, the bus is gonna leave at this time and you're not required. If you wanna go, fine. If you don't, fine. I just wanted to see who would get on the bus. Yeah. And the meanest, the nastiest, toughest players were always the first on the bus. Mm. And they always were the first in the hospitals, which you know, trying to analyze that, then I realized that they came from environments that they were surrounded by people in need and kids and handicapped kids. So they, they, they grew up in those environments and were able to communicate, talk to them. And they, every time they were always the best in the hospitals. They had empathy in ways yeah. probably that other yeah. kids might not have. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I told our coaches, I said, you know, just because a kid's tough and mean and nasty on the field, that doesn't mean that he doesn't have a heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's hey, good. Kate, Cheryl, I know you don't spend a lot of time on the internet, but are you aware that most Mississippi state fans, when they refer to you online, they call you King Jackie. Did you know that? Well, <laughs> not really. But that, that, that I nick- love that. Uh-huh. King yeah, that Jackie. Nickname, yeah, that nickname came from uh, Rick Fawcett. <laughs> and so uh, we were playing golf one day and, and somebody walked up and said, do you realize what he says about you in the stands? <laughs> and I looked at him, I said, no, but if I was up there, I'd probably say a lot worse. <laughs> Well, you are King Jackie. Sometimes it's just the king. Like, it's like Elvis. It's just, it's just, it's it's just just the king. That's all you need. That's all you need. You don't Uh even need to preface with the the other. So I would love, so as we, I know we kind of have to wrap up at this point, but I would love, do you have, Coach Cheryl, do you have like a favorite, if you had a standout favorite 
memory from your coaching days? Do you have, I know it's probably hard to pick one, but do you well, have the, the, the most, you know, the memorable moments is when you're able to do things other people and even the players didn't think they could do. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go back in at Mississippi State, you know, beating Alabama and Auburn the way we did, mm-hmm. certainly, you know, <laughs> and, you know, beating uh, uh, Spurrier or Florida uh, 30 to 6 and then coming back on 47 to 35, the worst two that, and I used to kid Steve all the time. He called me one year and when he hired Bob Stoops out of Kansas State, really excited. And I said, Bob, it's players, not coaching. Mm-hmm. And, and he kind of. Players win games and coaches lose games. And so kind of draw mm-hmm. back and forth. And, you know, I said, well, you know, I put a knot on your head 30 to 6. He said, well, who won the next year? I said, Steve, that's what I'm saying. You had better players the next <laughs> that's right and, and the phone goes click <laughs> listen oh, that it. 2000 Florida game when we just hammered them uh, listen that's that's one of the highlights of my life along with the Auburn game when I lived in, in Baton Rouge and we beat Auburn at Auburn and I thought Coach Cheryl that you and Jolie Dunn I didn't know if y'all were going to live through the end of that game because, y'all, I've never seen two grown men be more excited than the two of y'all were at the end of that game. Well, you know, they were ahead uh, 16 of points, I believe. Yes. And, and, you know, we had two minutes and something left on the clock. And I, I had a choice either to punt the ball or go for it. But we were on the 20-yard line. So I asked mm-hmm. Lee. I said, Lee, can we stop them and if we gave the ball up? And he wouldn't answer me. Finally, <laughs> finally, I grab him and say, can we stop? He said, yes. So we punted the ball, and sure enough, we stopped them and then ran the, the punt, uh, their punt back and scored oh. and came back and, and won the game going for two. And But, you know, that was, you know, one of those great times when you, you have players that finally believe they can win and did win. It was the best. Wow. I, I will never forget being in, in Baton Rouge and John Carrera, who was did the sideline stuff for State at the time. Um, we got an unsportsmanlike penalty, and he said on the radio, "He's like, I think we got an unsportsmanlike call, but who gives a flip? Like, we- <laughs> 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 yeah. it was a good it was one. It's it was such a-, a great underdog story, you know." Yes. Um, so many of those games, and and it's such an awesome metaphor, you know, for life. Like, you know, for as a man thinketh, therefore so he is. That's right. You know, there you, you, go. you can win. You believe in what you can do, um, and it's you know that that's that's the Mississippi State story, and that's the legacy that that Jackie built there. Um, he taught people that never believed they could win that they could win, and that's they right. they're still winning today. Hey, mm-hmm. y'all, I could honestly, I could, I could sit here. I know that we can't have a podcast that lasts for four hours, but I could sit here. I could go back through. I could go, I could go Texas. Well, we I, need to I do it again. I could go Egg Bowl. I could go CJ yeah. Simone's. Like, I could do the whole thing, but I, I know we have to, to quit talking. We're so grateful that y'all would take time to, to talk to us this morning. And, um, and honestly, as a mama, it was just really good for my heart and, soul just to listen to y'all talk about your relationship and the lessons that 
that kind of came along the way and the just the reminder, you just stay in it, just to stay in it with, with these kids. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Y'all been great. We share this story and, uh, and just be here, um, with y'all love to talk to you anytime. Love what you're doing, you know, keep inspiring your kids and other people's kids and, and being great role models. You know, that's, that's how we change the world. One, one person, one corner at a time. Yeah, Hell State and Giggum. Hell State, go Giggum. Thank y'all. <laughs> now that we've talked to Coach Cheryl and Bonnie, because that's a normal day. Yeah, um, for sure. We, we will acknowledge also that a few days have passed. Yes, yes. Some time has passed. And so I was in Dallas when we recorded that. And now I'm home. And I was at home when we recorded that. And now I'm at the beach. Okay. So we just switched places. So sadly, I think my internet in Dallas was better than my internet at home. So um, I may need to get that checked into. Imagine that. (laughs) Well, I think we probably um, acknowledged the internet issue maybe a year ago. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And I know that you would rather call AT&T... that's way up on your list, right with what happened at your house last night. Oh, my gosh. I can't even. I mean, listen, I know I wrote that blog post about it, but I can't even describe the depth and the width and the breadth of what a disaster it was. We're, I mean, we're talking about Piper's. Um, Piper had a stomach problem mm-hmm. um, of of a magnitude that I really can't express. Oh, look, oh, my phone. Somebody's rang. calling. Yeah, it's a spam um, number. Oh, it, I mean, I am telling you, like, and here's the worst part is Perry said he had cleaned up the worst of it before he decided he needed to get me up. So I don't even know. I know by the time he woke me up, Mm. he had gotten, we had latex gloves involved. Mm -hmm. We had a spray bottle of vinegar and I don't even know what else. I mean, it was, it was one of those where I was like, this smell will stay with me maybe for eternity. Like I, I can't, there weren't enough candles. I mean, the whole, we had the fans going, we had the windows open. And I mean, you need to know in the mornings here, it's a cool 90 degrees. We didn't even care. It was like, get the windows open. I really thought we ought to just put a for sale sign in the yard and just move. Just tell people like, just come in. If you, if you're willing to deal with this, you can have the house and everything in it. I'm so sorry. Oh God. It was, we think that she got a hold of something at the ranch. He had taken him to the ranch the day before and um, maybe she had found something to eat that might've been a little rancid is, oh. is what we just a, just a little rancid, just a, just a tad rancid. But I'm telling you, when you have to move your bed to <gasps> clean under it, oh, God. I, I mean, like, I'm not kidding. There's, <laughs> I feel it. I'm like, I'm like, it's like in Hamilton. I can feel it rise up in me as you talk. Like, mm. I mean, it, we've had dogs. I mean, we've had dogs pretty much our entire marriage. I mean, but I, I'm telling you, Piper had some stomach issues like something I've never seen. It was so bad. And, you know, and then you feel kind of bad for them when it's all over. The moment you're just like, I need you out of my house. I need you out of my house. I don't know that I'm ever letting you back in. So anyway, needless to say, Piper slept in her kennel last night. We decided we're going to contain that. And she's fine. She appears to be fine. Okay, well, let me ask you this, though. Have you ever been more relieved that you did not have wall-to-wall carpeting in your bedroom? Oh, we would have had to rip it up. There would have been no, I mean, I'm like, that is the saving grace of hardwood floors. I mean, we took like their dog beds 
that were in the room and just set them out by the curb. It was like, we're not even going to, we're not even going to discuss whether or not these get washed. Like they're just, but, but to me, and I know I wrote this in the blog post, but I mean, we got so tickled yesterday after it was all over that Perry, like in dead seriousness. And you know, I'm, I'm up at six in the morning. It's, my brain isn't even processing what's happening. So it was later when he looked at me and he was like, and all, and turned to me with his latex gloves on and said, you're going to need to prepare yourself for what you're about to see. <laughs> and then he said, and you're going to need to get those flowy pants off. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was like, mm-hmm. cause I think I didn't really, I wasn't even processing where I was like, Oh, We've got a little throw up or something we've got to clean up. But I mean, when he said, you're going to need to get those flowy <laughs> pants off. Yeah. It, you, you were in for something special. <laughs> that was the first clue. And I mean, as soon as I walked into our bedroom, because my closet's in our bedroom. So to change, I had to go in. And as soon as I walked in, I was like, oh, yeah, this is why these flowy pants are oh. bad. I mean, <laughs> but you know how you know how anxious and skittish dogs get when they're sick. It's like they don't know what to do. And especially dogs who are really well trained, like. I think it, yeah. you know, it's hard. Like, they know this is not how things normally go. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this is not normally where I would tend to this sort of business. No, so no. she had to have just been, she had to have been a little bit of a wreck. Oh, for sure. Well, and it was, I think that was it. It's because there was a trail where she had tried oh, to make some sort of escape that ended in our, that ended in our shower stall. It was like, oh. I mean, to her credit, it was like she was trying to find a drain. I mean, she knew. <laughs> Bless her. It was, but then we got so tickled too, because that Mabel just hightailed it under the bed. Like Mabel didn't hey, know what was Mabel going on. Mabel knows what's up is what I'm going to say. Mabel knows what's up. Mabel was like, peace out, suckers. I'm getting, because Perry said that's what woke him up first, because he's such a sound sleeper that I think he didn't, it was all happening so fast that he didn't realize. But then when the bed started shaking, and then when he realized after he got Piper out, like, where is Mabel? Oh, sister was under the middle of the bed. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm getting out of here. I don't know what's going on, but I want no part. Alert, alert. (laughs) Disaster, disaster. Take Uh, shelter immediately. God, well, and then, and I didn't write about this, but when we put them outside, so we're cleaning, so, you know, we can see, and we're going inside and outside, because we're taking stuff in and out, and whatever, well, Mabel, then Caroline's like, is it normal that Mabel's, like, foaming at the mouth, and so we don't know why, but the only thing we can think is, you know that feeling you get in your mouth when you're about to throw up, like, we think Mabel was maybe feeling sick from the whole thing. Because her mouth was just foaming. And so then we had to rinse her mouth off. We were like, what is going on? I mean, it was and all of this before church, which, Mm -hmm. as you know, we have to go set up church. It's not like Mm -hmm. we just show up at church. It's like then we had to get our game face on to go make coffee and set up chairs and all that. Oh, my word. I know. It was something. It was something And I bet knowing you and your summertime schedule, because... You know, Mm -hmm. my friend Mary and I were talking about this the other day, like in the summer, I think I've mentioned my friend Melissa Gordon, her mother, Jackie, was always the mom who stayed up. Like she always stayed up. She read books. She was watching television. But like you can Uh get, she was always up late. And I become Jackie Gordon in the summertime. Like last night, I went to to bed probably like at 1.30. Mm -hmm. I bet you you had gone to bed about two that Saturday night. 
Absolutely, I had. Uh, I mean, uh-huh. gone to bed at two, knowing that I had to get up for church at eight thirty. So it still wasn't the smartest decision, but had stayed up late, and um, yeah. So I mean, I about four hours of sleep. It was just, it was something else. So, um, but the house does not smell. Everything has okay. been cleaned and scrubbed and bleached within an inch of its life. I mean, I went over those floors. I can't even tell you how many times yesterday. I mean, it was washed all the bedding, scrubbed everything down. I mean, we mm-hmm. threw lots of stuff out so anyway but um piper appears to be fine now <laughs> there's Lee. piper's doing beautifully uh, we always say this very it's some like family story where his grandparents or something was uh like somebody let out like a big like big gaseous explosion when sure. Perry was little and he remembers his grandmother saying in her sweet little voice well at least she feels better <laughs> and that's what we kept saying my mama used to always say, especially if there was a baby involved with that, she'd have more room outside than there is inside. It's more room outside than inside. Well, there was, I'm going to tell you, she had plenty of room inside. There was nothing left. Nothing. Nothing left in her intestines. Has she eaten since the unfortunate Yeah, she incident? did. Yeah, she did. We were worried about her yesterday because we couldn't get her to drink water or anything oh. all day. Like after it first happened, she drank a ton of water and then she threw that up outside thankfully and then we were watched so we brought her in when we got home from church we brought her in because we felt like we probably needed to keep her cool and so we all watched her like hawks I mean anytime she got up from her bed it was like where's she going um and so it took her all day but then last night she ate and drank and so and then this morning she ate and drank so I think she's fine we think she just got a hold of something bad at the ranch because you know they like to go find stuff these dogs these dogs as somebody who currently has her dog with her at the beach, oh, um, you know, I mean, they're just, they're just family. They are. And you love them. And, you know, I wouldn't trade them for anything in the world, but I would have traded her yesterday morning <laughs> about 630. I would have traded her my kingdom mm-hmm. for a clean floor yes, and a house that doesn't smell like, uh, I don't even know what. Mm-hmm. Death. Yeah. Death. Worse than death. So, um, so anyway, so that was that, got that done. And, um, yeah, so there we have it. So everything's cleaned up. We survived. Well, I'm so glad. And last night, my crowning achievement for the day, um, which I've, I've gotten a little sunburned on this trip, which, you know, normally I'm, I pride myself on an end up like, I, I'm so careful with the sun. I respect yes. the sun. I try not to go out in the middle of the day, all these things. But a couple of days ago, We ended up, we swam out to the sandbar and then we floated back. And I was, I mean, I was slathered, but I think it's just, I always say, I don't fare well when I'm in in the middle of a body of water. Yes. I really don't. Like, and I try to be Uh so careful, but it was that whole thing of like, you know, it was the three of us and, you know, family memories and all that kind of stuff. And so it's raining here today and I'm kind of glad because I can. Oh, you needed a day. I need a day. I need a day for for this to sort of settle in. Um, Not that I'll tan. My my goodness, no. Um, I just think for it to disappear like it always does, and then, and then I'll be yeah. I'll be ready to go again. But I stayed up last night and finished season two of Last Chance You. Oh, how was it? Let me just tell you what. Now I said it last time, and I'm going to say it this time. The language in this show is terrible. It's terrible. The it's language horrific. is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but. If you love football, as as I do, and as you do, 
Mm-hmm. If you have a total soft spot for kids who are in need of second chances or redemption or um, somebody to believe in them, all of those kinds of things, it is so compelling. Yes. And I just thought it was phenomenal. I mean, I I don't know. I think because you kind of know a lot of the players from the first mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. There's a little, I mean, well, there's actually a lot of people who have seen themselves being filmed for a season and then they come back and they're real aware, just like we all would be yeah. if we had cameras follow it. You know, like they're real aware of how they come across on camera. And so yes. for some people that's led to a lot of soul searching and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, but it was so good. I mean, it's, okay. so, it's so good. And there are just a couple of kids like the first season, Ronald Ollie, I could not wait to follow him and see what he did. And he ended up playing at nickel state. And, mm-hmm. um, and there are a couple of kids from this season where I just, I can't wait to follow them and see how they how they do and I, okay i just loved it loved okay. it the language is horrible but I just, <laughs> it is terrible just yeah i mean don't be don't like here's it, my question is the language bad do you feel like the language yeah. is bad I, I mean i think it's it's like the kind of like the coach makes a concerted effort the first episode to really reel it in and has talked about the battle with that but i'm telling you by the by by episode eight gloves are off again like he yeah. is you know he's gotten Done. away well, from himself again well that, listen that's how i describe myself every football season <laughs> at some point i look up usually it's happened somewhere midway through that arkansas game where i go i've i've lost hold of myself mm-hmm. like uh, this mm-hmm. is this is where that's it's a turning point like i was I was good. I was great. I was doing fine. I was somebody that I would still be proud to be at the end of football season. <laughs> and then somewhere about the Arkansas game, usually fourth quarter, that turns. And I'm like, well, I'm somebody that I don't recognize. I'm somebody. I will that attest that every year at some point during the Arkansas game, I will get a text from you and you will say, I hate this game. Yeah. <laughs> I hate this game. I do. I'll, I will hate. I will not only hate that game, I will hate the entire state of Arkansas. I will hate all Razorback, <laughs> everything, everywhere. And it's only for that game. I just, it, that game kills me every year. It kills me every year. So maybe this year will be different because, see, it's almost August. So I'm my best football self right you now. You are. You're awash in optimism. Yeah. Maybe this year will be different. Maybe this year will be different. So we can make a, we can make a hard turn now and I'm going to tell you that I've discovered my show I've discovered a show of the summer that I am loving um and it's a it's somebody it's a show that several people had told me to watch and I was like meh because I was like I wasn't sure because I didn't know what it was about but it's Jane the Virgin okay now you mentioned this to me I think in a text but I have never seen it well, I had never seen it either, and I had several people mention it to me, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't even know what it's about. That doesn't sound appealing to me, whatever. I was thinking it was kind of a silly 30-minute sitcom type deal, and I was like, that's not what I'm wanting right now. Um, but then I – so I don't know if I've mentioned I'm having to sign all these books right now. Yeah, I've so, said a few things about that, yeah. Oh, I'm going to tell you that a Sharpie pen doesn't last as long as you think it is. No, it, it doesn't, especially on some absorbent paper. It will, it, no. will, it will give out quickly. 
I've gone through so many Sharpies, I can't even tell you. It's like a Sharpie graveyard around here. I mean, I'm telling you, the Pentel sign pen, they last I, a lot longer than a Sharpie does. Well, that's what I need. That's what I, I'll go get those next because I'm, I'm down to my last Sharpie again. So I, um, but anyway, I was emailing with some different people at Zondervan and I was like, I need a show. I was like, I sit and watch shows while I do this. And so somebody said, hey, this is what you ought to watch Jane the Virgin. It's so good. I love it so much. Okay. It's like, it's a one hour show, which I know is not normally your thing, but you know, on Netflix, that's about 40 minutes. It's about a girl. This does not ruin it, but it's about a girl named Jane Villanueva, Jane Gloriana Villanueva. Mm -hmm. And she is in her early twenties and she, because of her, uh, deeply devout Catholic grandmother has decided that she is going to wait until marriage, but she finds herself accidentally artificially inseminated at the doctor's office. Okay. <laughs> so she becomes pregnant. As you do. Sure. As you do. Uh -huh. So the whole thing is like a real life. It's all, it's like, it's like a telenovela spoof yes. slash but really good story that has its own soap opera built into it. And the characters as you watch become more and more endearing because Jane lives with her mother who had her when she was 16 and her grandmother and they all live in Miami. And then Jane is engaged to a policeman. And then there is now the father of her baby um, who she has a whole separate thing with but then there's also like a murder mystery it's kind of like a whole bunch of shows wrapped into one so I love it so much because it makes me laugh and then it makes you sit on the edge of your seat because you want to but it knows that it's over the top you know what I mean like the stuff happens and you see so you kind of have this narrator that narrates it as you go and it's so good it's really really cute okay and it's on so, Netflix it's on Netflix yes I don't I think it's on one of the networks in normal time I don't know but it's on I'm watching it on Netflix the first three seasons are on Netflix okay I'm so, gonna add that to my yeah. list yeah so it's cute it's you kind of it's you know it's like all shows you kind of have to start it to kind of get into it a little bit but I really like the character Jane and then like her relationship with her mom and her grandmother is so sweet and um so anyway as it goes on you just start to know and love all the characters so I'm into it that's my show so how far into it are you Oh, so much further than I should be, um, <laughs> given everything that I really need to be doing. But okay. um, I'm like halfway through season two. I'm like halfway through season two at this point. Okay. So, you know, there um, but no, I, there's no shame in that question, says somebody who watched a season of Last Chance You <laughs> in two days. So I know. Don't you ever look up and start to calculate like how many hours of TV is that? I mean, and I have not even picked up a book hardly this summer. I mean, I felt like I, normally summer is my time to read, but I think because I'm having to sign all these books, I, I can't. So it's like I need, right. so TV has become my solace. It has become my comfort. Well, I know. And I have read a good bit this summer, but I feel like most everything I've read has been a little foul. Like, mm -hmm. like, it, like a, like a catch me by surprise foul. Like, oh, yes. wait, why did we have to go that direction? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. So yeah. I just started a book yesterday um, that I think that, I, that to me at least seems promising in terms of not being foul. Um, oh, good. Yeah. So I'm real excited about that. I don't okay, know why. We'll have to keep us posted. I will. I think, well, I think you and I've read some of the same things this summer, and I had that same feeling. But uh, not that I don't, not that there's not stuff in there that I like, because there's stuff in there that I, that I, that I like, but like. Yes. But sometimes I feel like we just got, I don't know. 
I don't, uh-huh. there's just things uh-huh. I don't need to know. There's some, there's, no, listen, no. there's things I don't need to know about you. There's things uh-huh. you don't need to know about me. There's certainly stuff I don't need to know about strangers. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I feel like yeah. you and I operate on a, some real lay it out on the line um, yeah. dynamics yeah. between the two mm-hmm. of us. But there's still stuff that I just wouldn't talk about. No, there's stuff that you keep private. Yes. It's just, it's, that's why it's, it's called like, private. It's called basic human decency <laughs> is what I, just Aww. keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I did not need to know that. So, okay, um, so or, you, you mentioned to me last week at some point that you've gotten a new face. Listen, I can't even. I, okay, so I was not that you've got a new face. I need to finish that. You've got a new face. <laughs> Sorry, I got a new face. Potion. Face off too. Um, yes. No, you've got a new face potion. Yes. Yes. I. You know, it's so funny because I really even my friend Jamie who's a friend in real life made the comment last week. She's like, are you still using the snail stuff on your skin? And I'm like, Oh, that, that was so six creams and lotions ago, you know, like I'm, I just move on. But okay. So here's what I have discovered. So I had gotten to where this summer I, at night I would use, I was just using coconut oil with a little bit of frankincense mixed in. And I was putting that on my face and I was going to sleep with it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked it. Well, then I was on Twitter and I saw Southern Living, who I follow on Twitter, had yes. tweeted and they said, this beauty product received all five stars on Amazon. Well, Wait, if you've been listening listen, here. That I mean, is like, that's like, that's like laying a bone in front of a dog. Like there's uh, no way you're not immediately on that. It could totally be clickbait and which is kind of what I thought it was. Cause you know, like I also follow like prevention magazine and they'll always be like, these six things will help you get rid of all your cellulite. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to click on that every day of the week. Yeah. Um, and then you get to it and it's like, you got to order this ginkgo biloba, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that. I thought you were going to tell me I could add like lemon to my water, <laughs> you know, like that amount. So Anyway, I clicked and I was skeptical because I thought this is Southern Living trying to reel me in and whatever. But what it is, is it was this. So I went on Amazon. You followed the link. It's Teddy's Organic Rosehip Oil. And no lie, it is all five-star reviews on Amazon. And we're talking thousands of reviews. I'm looking right now. Well, there's a couple of one or two stars. I will let me preface that, but it's but it's stuff like this. The bottle was leaky when I got it. Yeah, I don't care about that. That's not. Don't taint your reviews with yeah. manufacturing defects. I just want to know about does it work. And so when you read does it work, there are two thousand three hundred and fifty-seven yeah. reviews, and they're mostly all five star, right? Mm-hmm. Southern Living did not lie. And so, um, anyway, I got it and I've been putting it on my face. It comes, it's got it. So it's a glass bottle. It's got a little dropper and I do like three or four drops on my face morning and night. And I'm telling you, my skin is so dadgum soft and I'm, it's only been a week, but I'm really happy. (laughs) What does it smell like? It really doesn't have much of a smell. Okay. So it doesn't smell like frankincense. No, it does not. It really has a pretty, it's an oil. So it really doesn't smell like anything. I'm going to tell you exactly why this product might as well say custom made for Melanie Shankle. I'm going to tell you why right now. Because in the description on Amazon, it says, high up in the mountain air of Southern Chile, (laughs) the Mapuche Indians have been using rosehip oil for centuries. Thank you. This amber oil (laughs) has been used to protect the aging effects of the harsh weather. 
kill scars, <laughs> soothe burns, and treat rashes and stretch marks during pregnancy. I mean, it just, if there is a four point Oh, system, it's like, yeah. that's my equivalent. It's like if a novel says, set in World War II, the royal family <laughs> yes. had to go on the run. But love was always... It's like that. Yeah. I'm in for that yeah. book. If it was good enough for the Mapuche Indians up in, in the sun, mountain air in those treacherous Chile. conditions of southern Chile, then you know I think it is straight up good enough for yes. my skin here in yes. San Antonio, yes, Texas. Now, speaking of World War II. Yes, tell me. Dunkirk. Oh, <gasps> I'm dying to go see it. Again, if anybody could make a movie... For Melanie Shankle. <laughs> I mean, I thought about you probably 10 times watching that because I love the movie. Don't get me wrong. But, but mm-hmm. because this is so my personality, all I could think about was Melanie is going, she's going to love this. Like you are, you are going to love it. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a couple of reasons why I'm not to give okay. anything away. Tell me. They don't talk a lot. You got a lot of men who have very little need for words. Mm, I, you know, I enjoy that. <laughs> I, know, I know. I don't live with that, but I enjoy that. I know. So they have very little, they, like, and you get why they don't need words. Like they're so mm-hmm. overwhelmed. Like they, they, they're, the circumstances, they are in, they're just bombarded literally on all sides. So that's one reason. And, and then you just got this thread of, of, of heroism, like of, mm. oh, this thread of heroism and, and it's such a metaphor. And of course, I, we get in the car. And, and the first thing David was like, I would, he said, I would turn around. I would walk back in that theater and I would go see that all over again. Mm, see, that tells me. That and, says it all right there. And I said, the gospel was all over that thing. And then Alex said, you say that about everything. <laughs> <laughs> and David said, yeah, you really kind of do. And I was like, no, but the gospel was all over that thing. And you will see why when you see it. I mean, I said it on Twitter, but the, to not have any more words in that movie mm-hmm. than, than there are, like, it says some things. It says some uh, things. I cannot wait. I'm telling you, when we went to go see, when Perry and Caroline and I went to go see our first movie of the summer, which now I'm trying to remember, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, the the previews from Dunkirk came on. And I'm going to tell you from the minute I heard the opening note, I was like, yeah. I don't know what this is, but I'm in sold yeah. Yeah. on this. I, so it's the first movie wait. in forever where I, I, I was so unaware of time passing that when mm-hmm. it finally got to a point where I thought, Oh gosh, I think it's ending. Like I couldn't believe I had been sitting in it long enough for it to end. You know what I mean? Like I, yes. it was, um, it is some beautiful storytelling and it's what I love so much, just, you know, as somebody who, who tells stories is over and over again, you can tell that Christopher Nolan said, I'm going to trust the audience enough to get this. Like mm-hmm. it is just, it's showing versus telling. It is so good. It's so good. Okay. I can't wait. We're in. I think we're going to go see it this weekend. We've mm-hmm. got a busy week, but then I think we're going to go see it this weekend. I can't wait. I'm so excited about it. I feel like it's everything that I like in a movie. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm all in. I'm all in for that. I Dunkirk. didn't mean to take away from your rose hip oil, but when you said World War II, I just No, I'm but I'm just telling you that's you know me. I mean that's that's it. I mean if, if anything has been created in a mountainous region, mm-hmm. um it developed over centuries of 
Let me ask you this though: Are you using any what? back on back to the rosehip oil again? Are you using any mm-hmm. moisturizer when you use it, or are you just using the rosehip oil? No, I'm just using the rosehip oil. Okay, I will say, so, y'all, it's only this is this is one of those things. Sometimes we'll mention a product, and it's like, well, it's a hundred and seventy dollars, mm-hmm, but this yeah. is actually this is twenty one forty seven for four ounces yeah. on Amazon. Yeah, and and that four ounces is going to last you forever because you're only doing a couple of drops. So that's why I was like, I've got to try it. I can't not not try this the mapuche indians it works for them (laughs) in southern chile and it's a bargain so and there's a deal too where if you buy two you get four dollars off so then you're 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 really looking at a a deal go in with a friend get you well and you can rosehip oil and you can use it everywhere i mean now you could put it because what made us think about it is because we are both loving the hummingbird farms lavender spray oil i love that stuff so much i I mean when i was dealing with sunburn stuff yesterday i was putting that stuff all over my shoulders Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's got it's so soothing and it like mm-hmm. it to it's so good. So anyway, this is my summer of oil is what I'm telling you. I've got my essential oils diffusing. I've got my rosehip oil on my face. I've got my lavender oil on my body. It's all about the oils. Well, and I think too, like it, there's something about your 40s. There, there, there are places that oil can reach that lotions cannot. Yes. I don't know what that really means. But what I'm saying is the oils seem to be, my skin seems to respond better to oils than it does right now to lotions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And do you spray it on? Because I spray it on when I'm still kind of damp from the shower. So I feel like it locks in the moisture. Yes, I do spray it on when I'm still damp from the shower. Mm -hmm. And I put it it on my legs. I put it on my arms. Um, Yesterday, I put it on my hands. Like, Mm -hmm. it's really, really good. I love it. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So, well, we have anyway. we have covered a few things. We have gone from Jackie Cheryl to Piper and her stomach issues, and here we yeah. are at Dunkirk and rosehip oil, just as I you think, would expect. Exactly, just natural transitions from one thing to the other. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Perry just walked in because now I think it's time for me. I've got to get ready for our big fishing trip is coming up. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. This time tomorrow, I'll be I'll be out on the water. Oh goodness! I will say <laughs> now you're not you're not you're not going. I know you said you're not going like deep sea fishing. No, we're and it's not deep sea fishing. I would never go deep sea fishing. I'm gonna tell you what. When we swam out to the sandbar the other day and then floated mm-hmm. back, when we mm-hmm. got back to shore, I was kind of like, I need to sit down for a second. Yeah. I, I, I mean, even like being on a, like a float and, but the, the water was pretty choppy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I thought, oh, and see, 40s are nope. mean. Like I can't, that did not mm-hmm. go well for me. I had to get on some solid ground for a second. It was kind of like. No, ma'am. Mm-mm. Yeah, mm-mm. No, ma'am. This will be like, we're going to be um like apparently, uh, allegedly, let's, <laughs> instead of apparently, I'm going to say allegedly, I'm going to be waiting in the water. Okay. Well, that, Okay. Uh But I've got waiting boots. I mean, don't worry. I've got waiting boots. I got a tactical belt at Academy yesterday because apparently I need a belt to help. I don't know why my pants are going to fall down in the water. I don't know. So I've got a tactical belt. Um, I have fishing pants. I have a fishing shirt. I have a fishing hat. There's not a doubt in my mind that Perry Shankle (laughs) has identified what equipment is needed for this trip, that he has gone and, and gotten it, and that it is very well organized at this point. 
oh, we're so, he was annoyed with me yesterday because so we, we went to Academy after church because we had to buy new dog beds. So that was our, and then I was like, oh, I haven't gotten a fishing shirt. And he was like, oh, did you get compression shorts? I was like, no. He's like, did you get a belt? I was like, no. He said, so all the stuff I told you to get a month ago. And I was like, well, yeah, but that's when the trip was still a month away. I went, yes. wasn't worried about it. I was going to get, now I'm here I am at Academy. So it all worked out. See how it all worked out to not think about it in advance. I was busy ordering rosehip oil. That's right. Amazon. Thank you. I was very busy trying to perfect the application of my lavender oil and my rosehip oil. That's right. That's right. Who needs compression shorts for that? Yep. So anyway, so I'm going to go get ready for our our fishing trip. So I will uh, definitely fill everybody in on that adventure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I cannot wait to hear. Yeah, that'll be our next podcast. Yes, ma'am. Don't forget your sunscreen, ma'am. I and trust me, I will not. I will. I don't want to undo all the good that my rosehip oil has done. So I will have my sunscreen, and then, um, and then you've got a book release like imminent at this point. Oh, I certainly do. It has already started to ship. Oh, that's kind of exciting. I am. Yes. Yes. It. Yes. It is. <laughs> yes. It is. <laughs> you know, here's the part that I that really is exciting is that. Um, that I, I love hearing girls who are like teenage girls kind of respond to it or moms yes. telling what their teenage girls said about it. That part is fun because, you know, that is an age group, as you know, that will shoot yes. real straight with you about, yes. about their yes. feelings. They will tell you, they will say, you know, I mean, it was okay, but yeah. I didn't really okay. love it. I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know. I didn't really love it. And so uh-huh. I went and I watched Pretty Little Liars instead <laughs> and it was so much better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There you have yeah. it. <laughs> so um, anyway, so that part of it is fun. And, um, and I mean, it's always good for something to, to kind of get out there. But it is, it's always a humbling. <laughs> yes. Yes, Vulnerable. It is. Yes. Spot. Yes, it is. It is. It's like, hey, here you go. We're going to let you go walk around in your underwear for the next month and That's see right. how that feels. <laughs> yeah, it'll all be fine. So... Um, all right. Well, I am going to go. Um, I am going to go uh, pack my bag. I'm going to go take our dogs to go run around before they go to sleepaway camp for the next two nights at okay. the vet, which they are not going to be excited about. And um, that's pretty much the rest of my day. Okay. All right. Well, okay. y'all have a good week and we will talk to y'all as soon as we can make our schedules cooperate um, in such a way that we can talk at the same time. There you go. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Alrighty. Well, I will, um, I'll get this up and running. So, or get this ready to go so that you can post it before you leave. Okay. Well, I'm going to have my computer cause I'm not going somewhere where there's not wireless. <laughs> okay. All right. So All priorities. Right. Yes, I already checked. Listen, I already Googled the website of the place. Cause I was like, do they have Wi-Fi? Cause that's important. Um, so anyway, yes. So I'm good to go. Ow.